Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Father, for giving us life. We thank you, Lord Father, for giving us godliness. 
Father, we thank you because you are our Father, Lord God. Father, it's, it's no coincidence that today being Father's Day and you being our Father, there are so many people that are disconnected with their fathers, Lord God. There are so many people who who consider themselves bastards because they don't have a father. Father, how can that possibly be when you are our father and you are a good father? Father, we thank you for being our God. We thank you, Lord, for being our father. We thank you, Father, because you have had us in mind since the beginning of time. And you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. Father, we thank you because this has eluded us, this word has eluded us for so long because we have taken the Bible as a collection of stories instead of orchestrated by you, by your inspiration. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, and most importantly, Lord God, we thank you for the, the one who has bought us this kingdom. Father, we thank you because you have said that on his shoulders shall be a government. Father, we ask that you touch all the fathers today, soften their hearts to the grudges that some may hold, the, the misconnections that some may still continue to uh, follow, some of the shortcomings. Lord, teach us how to be men and what it means to be in your kingdom. Father, we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. First, I want to start off by saying Happy Father's Day um, to all the fathers that's out there. I want to say Happy Father's Day to uh, my dad, um, Robert Cornegay. I want to say Happy Father's Day to him. And I want to say Happy Father's Day to all those upcoming fathers or those who stepped in as fathers. I want to say Happy Father's Day to them as well. You know, I usually post something which I, I posted today. It's just the same thing I post every Father's Day that I, I try to help people be free by giving them a word that they may be able to use to encourage themselves and encourage others to let go of some of these grudges. And, and it goes something like this. It says, what do you say to the father who hasn't been there? What do you say to the father who have caused you great pain and grief? What do you say to the father who didn't treat you as well and missed birthdays and holidays or didn't do the things that he said that he was going to do? What do you say to that father? And I submit to you that you say Happy Father's Day. You know, by saying Happy Father's Day, it doesn't mean that a person is is didn't do those things, but you got to remember, um, before you sit there and condemn the inexcusable in somebody else, remember that God forgave the inexcusable in you, that your father had freed you first. But understand this, that God's agenda has always been us. It has always had us in mind. He has taught us everything, and the Bible says that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And make no mistake, the reason why some of these, these grudges and the, these bad feelings exist is not because the other person is not willing to take responsibility for what they've done. It's just that you're not willing to let it go. So what I'm teaching you today is something that came from our Father. You know, we're going to use Matthew chapter 13 quite a bit today, and the reason why is because I want to show you that what I used to believe and what many still believe about the Bible is just not simply true. It's not true at all, in fact. Now, if we take the Bible as a book of 66 
stories written over uh, 1,500 years by uh, um, 40 different authors, then we're going to miss the whole thing about the kingdom of God in the Bible because we're looking at it just as a story. You know, there's people that try to push you and 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 try to uh, get you to see different things uh, about that's going to reveal yourself and it'll never reveal God. But there are some things that the Bible has and connected us with that only reveals God. And I hope that this message today puts some things clear. And in speaking just on the parables of what uh, Jesus Christ talked about. So if you want, you can go ahead and get Matthew ready because that's pretty much one of the places we're going to be um, for the rest of this teaching. And the name of the teaching is called Teach Kingdom. That's the name of the teaching today is called Teach Kingdom. But I'm coming from somewhere, the first scripture is something that a lot of people won't even connect the dots as being kingdom. And it's Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 to 34. And Jacob sighed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said, Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with some of that red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And, he, and Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau didn't even see a connection there, and a lot of people will use that and will tell people, don't sell what God gave you. I've heard many different messages about this, but I'm telling you today that if you don't understand the kingdom of God, uh, and one cannot and will not understand the entire Bible. I'm talking about the entire thing. And I know that's a statement that a lot of people say, well, no, that's not true, but I'm telling you it's true. Because if you can't see the intentions of God, even back in Genesis as being our father, then what we're going to miss is the entire Bible. We won't understand the part where it says that God made us in his likeness and image. We won't understand that he gave us dominion over the enemy. We won't understand what to do with people, how to treat people, how, how not to sin and live not in sin. We won't believe that we have the power to uh, walk away from sin and turn away from it because we're only governed by our flesh and what we want. So we steal, we lie, we, 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 we put people down or whatever the case may be or what we're doing or hold grudges to people. We're only doing it because it's what makes us feel good. And that's the wrong way. See, many are looking at it the wrong way. I watched a movie one time, and I don't know, uh, um, Tara and I was talking about the movie uh, Lucy, and then all these other different movies have these undertones in it about uh, God and about the Bible or lack thereof. Even in that uh, TV show uh, Oprah Winfrey has, which is the, uh, uh, I can't remember, it's the church show, but anyway, if you look at the beginning, her connection, if you look at just the opening of it, it tells you about how uh, uh, Greenleaf is the name of it, how um, it connects religion to slavery. You see the Pope with the Bible and the robe and the miter hat, and then you see the apple with the, uh, the snake with the apple, and then you see him leading slaves. So she was illustrating the connection of slave, slavery to religion. You know, but I was watching this other movie, and, and I was watching where a woman was painting what seemed like a bunch of different separate paintings. And when the man was telling her how much he loved her paintings, 
she told him that he can't see it because he was too close. Now, although this was one, and you know, was talking about the assassination of a, a president or something, and he was a Secret Service guy, but but the wife was painting these paintings, and, and she had all these different paintings stacked up, and and he was like, oh, I like that one, and and she says you can't see it, but you were too close. So the movie went on with this man still missing the whole picture. And then one day he stood back and was standing back away from it, and and, and he saw them as one collective painting, and a light bulb went off in his mind. Instead of having uh, um, all these different separate paintings, it was one big painting that was illustrated on separate fields. Oh, this is good. Because the Bible is just like that. I read to you Esau and Jacob, and yet I saw the kingdom of God. I read the story of Saul and Solomon, and I see the kingdom of God. I, I look at the connection between um, the lust that David had or, 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 or Samson and Delilah, and I see the kingdom of God. And it reflects me when I go back to when Jesus uh, started preaching uh, a teaching about the parables, and many people couldn't understand it. It's not hard to see why. When you start to look at Jonah uh, um, having to give a message that God wanted him to deliver, and he got stubborn and went out, sat outside the gate hoping people would perish, or you have the scribes and Pharisees in the marketplaces that want to exalt themselves, or you have Moses standing there in front of Pharaoh with his staff, and the staff turns into a snake and devoured Pharaoh's staff. Or you see David's dream where he was talking to Nebuchadnezzar and he was illustrating and describing the coming of the kingdom. Or you have Isaiah uh, uh, 9 and 6 where it says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and a government shall be on his shoulder. All these different planes, all these different planes, all these different planes, one big picture. But you can't see him because sometimes we're too close. But that's how you must look at the kingdom of God. And during this movie, she was giving him clues to what she really meant, to what she really, what she really meant and what part did she play, but he didn't see it. It kept eluding him until he was able to look at all of them collective or individual instead of collective. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. And the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered unto him, so that he went unto a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things unto them in parable, saying, Behold, a sower went forth and sowed. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and some fowls came and devoured them up. And, and some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no depthness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no roots, and they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, and, but others fell unto good ground. And brought forth fruit, some 100, some 60, and some 30. Who have ears to hear, let them hear. Now, now Jesus is saying these things, and he's talking to a multitude of people. He's not just talking to his disciples. He, he, he had, it was so many people that he had to get onto a boat and, and, and go back a little bit on the coast, on the seaside, so he can speak to the multitudes. But the multitudes didn't hear what he was saying. Now, when you don't understand the gospel of Christ, it, you'll have people pick out what suits them, try to apply it, and question faith, pay more to get it, or stop believing in God as a reason why it never works. You got people walking away from God because they, they, they don't see the big picture. They see a little book of works. I, I, I often talk to this one guy, and him and I debate back and forth because he doesn't believe in God, and he, and he, but he's always picking out a story, but he doesn't understand what the story's about. He'll ask me things like, um, do you really believe that, that uh, a person was, was, was swallowed by a fish, or do you really believe that this 
happened, or do you really believe that this happened, or 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 the God killed all these people, and he's not looking at the big picture. And even though I try to give him the big picture, he still doesn't understand it. But that's okay, because that's okay. He get, the Bible says that few are going to get exactly what I'm teaching today. See, what we're used to hearing is a bunch of with just that little bit that I just read. We, we started talking about that that's a ministry, uh, that's members in your ministry, uh, that's your business, uh, that's your family, that's your finances, that's, that's all these things as seed. And if you sow some seed, it's going to grow. When I'm telling you it's talking about none of those things. But how many times have you heard uh, about the sower and you got to sow seed in the good ground and this ministry is good ground, so sow seed in this ministry so that your seed can grow. Most people didn't understand what this scripture was talking about. See, because when you understand it in little bits and pieces and pieces and bits, when you start understanding it that way, you have to go back to service after service for a quick fix or chase down people claiming to be a prophet just to get a word or healing or teaching or whatever because you only understand or like that part. Or on the other part, you have people chasing down riches, seeking power or influence, uh, name, naming it and claiming it, the law of attraction, all these prosperity gospels, because they like that part. They never see the big picture. Now, now, even with what I just said, I can take the scripture that I just read and, and quote, not really, but, but quote, apply it to what I, what I just said. How does that fall into the prosperity gospel? Well, if you sow, you reap. How does it fall into the people that run around chasing down a prophet just so the prophet can say something that they already supposed to know? Or they speak so vaguely like you're going to be a millionaire or business only one day and you're going to be great and all this kind of stuff. All you got to do is sow and believe. See, all of that stuff. But if you do that stuff uh, without understanding the kingdom of God, then you're not looking at the big picture. And But with those parts, without understanding the kingdom of God, it will be subject to your interpretation. It will be subject to your greed. It will be subject to corruption the whole time you're claiming to have faith. Matthew chapter 13 uh, 10 through 17. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But it's not given to them. Now this is Jesus talking. You remember we talked about last week how Jesus told the disciples to go preach but don't go and talk to the Gentiles or the Samaritans? You remember that? All of it falls into the parables, too, if you understand. Remember, we also talked about the reason was because Israel had to reject him first. Oh, this is good stuff. Now, 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 he says because it's given to you to know the mysteries. It ain't given to them. So there are some people that's going to understand this and some people that's not. It says in verse 12, for whosoever hath to him shall be given and she have, he shall have more abundance, but whosoever have not from him shall be taken away even that he has. Now, how many times have we been in a teaching or, or preaching and somebody is talking about money or a car or, or a house or things that you're supposed to take care of? Because if you take care of these little things, God is going to give you, make you rule over much. How many times have we heard that? But that's not what it's talking about here either. Because it's talking about how the enemy comes and sows these seeds of discord in your life. They sow these messages about prosperity, about power, about gain, about covetousness, about greed. And they, they attach it to the, 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 the message of the kingdom of God, which we're going to read also in these same parables. But people don't see that. People won't see that. Verse 13, therefore speak I unto them in parables, because 
they seeing not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand, as as in them fulfilled the prophecy of Elisus, which saith, by hearing thou shalt hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, but not perceive. For the people's heart has waxed cold, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Least any time should they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. You can't be healed unless you're converted. But when you're healed, Jesus is not talking about a natural healing. He's talking about a spiritual healing. And once you understand the kingdom of God as a whole, all these pieces, one big puzzle, you start to see how the kingdom of God works and how it can heal you. He says in 17, For verily I say unto you that many false prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye not hear and not heard them. You remember Paul in the seven sons of Sceva? We talked about that often, how the, the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out a demon by what Paul knew. It said we cast out the demon in the Jesus that Paul knows. And the demons jumped on them, stripped them naked, and they went crazy running down the street screaming and yelling. It's in the parable. Because they were trying to do this on their own accord. Oh, you got to see this. See, see, what you know and what you're being taught, most people would die or pay money to get to have. There's also scriptures where, where they tried to buy what Paul had. See, the kingdom of God has a carefully selective checks and balances, law and order, obedience and submission that promote and produces God's will. See, this is where the collective works of one Bible play a role instead of a collection of individual stories of somebody in the Bible. Since the first understanding about the kingdom of God is that it's God's will in motion and in place. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Everybody went around from then talking about, oh, the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. It's on the inside of us. Those are the ones that heard and couldn't hear or see and couldn't see. Because Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God is in your midst. I'm standing right in front of you, and you are trying to condemn me. You are trying to crucify me. You can't even see me. Because the kingdom that they were looking for was power, was money, was prestige, was restoring Israel over all the nations of the world. That's where a lot of these people that, 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 that believe that they have uh, 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 understanding about the kingdom of God mess up. Because they start going down and start chasing the riches. They start chasing the money. They start chasing the power. They start chasing the name. And they miss the entire message that Jesus preached. In Luke 4.43, which is my favorite scripture, he said where Jesus stated, I must proclaim or preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns because that's why I was sent. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, the reason why I was sent was to bring this, oh, wow, this is good stuff, was to bring this kingdom. This is why I was sent. He said, I was sent because of this. So Jesus said he was sent to preach the kingdom. Then what, why, what's these other reasons why we uh, uh, believe Jesus was sent? We have all kind of reasons that, that Jesus was sent. But it tells us even in the Old Testament, here's why people miss the connections. Because 
they don't connect the dots. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he was a baby. Oh, you're going to see this in a minute. Remember, he was a baby. A child is born. And a government is going to be on his shoulders. You talk to somebody about one world government. Oh, my God. It'll never work. Who's going to run it? That's where Jesus comes in at. But if you talk to people about one world government and they don't understand it, then they can't possibly, like Jesus told Nicodemus, how can I explain to you these spiritual things if you can't, I mean, if you can't understand the natural things I'm telling you? And then he asked them, and you supposed to be a teacher of Israel? You supposed to be the one teaching? And all he asked them, he said, how may I enter into the kingdom of heaven? He said, you must be born again. You must be born of water and of spirit. Now, most people take that scripture and run down uh, right to the baptism pool to jump in the water. But he's talking about a natural birth, the water of a woman, born of water and of spirit. That means you have to be born naturally, and then born again of the Spirit. But Nicodemus couldn't understand that. So he asked him, how are you supposed to be teaching people and you don't even understand that? See, it's important to understand the kingdom of God. The first thing is that the kingdom of God, when you hear it, is talking about the will of God. And in Luke, like I said, Jesus said, this is my, my purpose. And we know that in every parable, we're speaking about the kingdom of God. Not money, not ministry, not members, not business, and not you. See, that's the first thing you have to understand. It wasn't talking about you. And what you can get. He was talking about the kingdom of God. He spoke in parables to reveal these mysteries to his children. He was talking to his seed. So when you understand and you you look at that God always had the return of his children on his mind... Since the beginning, what happened in the beginning with Adam and Eve? They ate the fruit. They ate the fruit, thought they was God or above God. God kicked them out, and they was just messed everything up from there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was. God. The intention. You remember when we went back in Genesis and we translated uh, the names in Genesis? I need to find that. Because it, 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 even then it revealed Jesus and Jesus had not even been born. When it talks about Melchizedek being the first king priest, it's talking about Christ. It talks about how Jesus is the first, the high priest. He, he, he's after the order of Melchizedek because he's a king and a priest. People think that the whole thing with Melchizedek was about giving money. It wasn't. See, but we take the scriptures and we try to apply it to something natural or natural thinking and miss the entire kingdom of God. God always had the return of his children in mind. And his kingdom has always been his agenda. But looking at the word of God written by anyone but God, all we're going to see is stories. Stories about a fish. Stories about how Jesus fed 5,000 people. Story about uh, Esau and Jacob. A story about Samson and Delilah. A story about David and Bathsheba. A story about Abraham. A story about Moses. There's a connection. 
connection in every single one of those to what God is doing. How many people ever really looked at Esau and Jacob as a kingdom message? That related to something that Jesus spoke even in Matthew 6 and 33. Matthew 6 and 33, it says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that should be added unto you. All these things that was added was the things that Esau was looking for. Esau was looking for something temporal, not something permanent like a birthright. Matthew 6, 31-34 Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What did Esau trade his birthright for? A bowl of soup and a beer? What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? What was the story about Esau when, when Jacob had to put on the the the, the the cloak thing, so to fool his father. Oh, come on, this is good stuff. To fool his father. It says, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care thought of itself. Sufficient is the day, is the evil thereof. You worry about today. Still didn't see the connection with Esau? Esau gave up his connection with his father for something temporal that only lasted long enough to satisfy a promise of fulfillment of his temporal state or his temporal appetite. He was hungry. Didn't Jesus say, um, a man can't live off bread alone? You see this connection? See, then it goes back to the parables in Matthew 13 and 22 because it talks about how the desire of riches and material things today is no different what Jesus spoke in the parables. Matthew 13, 22, it says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and care nothing of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. Here is the word and the care of this world. He worries more about the care of this world. Matthew thirteen twenty four through 30. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in a field. And while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the, when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came unto him and said, Sir, didn't thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence the tares come from? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather up? And he said, Nay, least while you gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, or the angels, Gather ye first together the tares and bind them up in bundles, and burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. See, let's connect this, that one. Let's connect that parable Jesus spoke. See, I've heard that preached before, and I'm sure you have too. Many take the wheat and the chairs to mean the church is supposed to include the righteous along with the unrighteous, and they're supposed to sit side by side. You remember we heard that a long time ago? They're supposed to sit side by side. Not so. It's not what that means. It's talking about the fact that there's going to be many who are identified with the kingdom of heaven who are not truly part of the kingdom of heaven. It's talking about those false, false prophets, the prophet liars, the false teachers, the hirelings. It's talking about those who, who, who's telling you about the prosperity gospel. It's telling you about those who, who, who wants to give you a name and claim.
complaining and all these other phony gospels that's out there. Paul warned about these people over and over, but we cannot see it as one big picture. Because we see the account where Paul was saying, if any man calls himself a brother, uh, well, first he said, I'm not saying that, that, that you have, can't be around nobody that commits sin, because if you do that, you're going to have to die. I'm talking about those within the church who consider themselves a brother. He said, don't even eat with those hypocrites. But what we have done, like we talked about last week, was we have included everybody and said it was okay. So now the church no longer pure and intact. The church is a sick house with people that want to get well. This is good stuff. It's talking about the fact that there are people that are identified as church members, church leaders, uh, church heads, and all these things that don't truly have a place in the kingdom of God and at the end will be separated. And here's almost one of my favorite parables right here. It says in Matthew 13, 31 to 32, another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which is indeed the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs that become a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now that scripture... I know we heard before. <clears throat> but let me tell you about this parable. This parable is not talking about church growth, business growth, financial growth, personal growth, even the growth of the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God has already grown and developed. What do you think God needs? He wants you back, but he says everybody's not going to come the parable of the bridesmaids. Oh, come on, this is good stuff. Uh, uh, but but it's talking about Jesus. The kingdom of God is not lacking anything, but we still, oh, come on, this is good stuff. We still sit back and believe that we supposed to build the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is already built. And it's not talking about the word of God who starts small in somebody's heart and then blows up because it's the parable of the seeds just explain that. That the word is the word. The word is the word. It's the same today, yesterday, and forever, so that's not changing. It's not about you getting it at a later date and it goes, a light bulb go off after you did all your dirt and, and all your trouble and, and you sowed all the, 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 the fleshly desires you wanted, uh, um, then all of a sudden you come back to God. No, that's just repenting. The kingdom of God is not lacking anything, but we teach it as if it is lacking something and that you have to sow into the kingdom of God. No, it's not what it's saying. It's talking about God giving the world his son. Christ as a baby who will grow into a man, have a government on his shoulder, bringing and restoring the kingdom of God back, to the, uh, restoring man back to God, and including the Gentile nations after Israel rejected the first, of course. You know, Israel first has to reject it. But once Israel rejects it, then it's a little different story. But there are so many, and it's a plethora of things. Even in the Bible, it talks about, uh, in Leviticus, it says, keep my decrees. Do not make different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. And do not wear clothing woven from two kinds of material. Now, why would Jesus say, why would God say that? Because he's illustrating that it's supposed to be separate. You see this? It's not talking. Oh, come on now. This is good stuff. It's talking.
talking about back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's talking about forbidding clothing of two different types of fabric. It's talking about the kingdom of God. It's talking about the wheat and the tears. It's talking about, oh, my God, the light and the dark. It's talking about the profitable and the unprofitable. It's talking about the wicked servants. Do you see this now? This is back in Leviticus. The same message, same story, same author, same message. The message is the kingdom of God. All scripture is given by God. Second Timothy three and sixteen. Now now this 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 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It is profitable. But for what? What is it profitable profitable for? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means when you understand this, people will see your light. Because they see that you're not going to be part of a bunch of foolishness. That you're not just going to go out there and do things because it makes you feel better. That you're not going to go out there and be a part of something because you know it's wrong. It means that you're going to stand up for what's right, regardless of how many multitudes of people is standing for unrighteousness. It means that you're going to make a decision that, no, I can't partake in that because that's sin. And if I sin, it's going to separate me from God. And if I'm separated from God and I die in my sin, then I will be judged as a sinner. what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. We have taken the scriptures and people have used it for their own personal gain because they want to see the picture that they want to see. They don't want to see the big picture. Their picture only includes them and them only. And then they teach people to to have scriptures the same way. So what I'm telling you today is that you have to understand the kingdom of God. You have to understand and study the kingdom of God. And don't just study the New Testament kingdom of God. Look at the relationship because if you're not connecting the dots, what it means is you're leaving some things out. That's why sometimes it can get confusing when people just jump into the kingdom of God and and, and everybody's sitting there going, well, what is the kingdom of God? What is is it? I've heard people even say, well, you got to give people the benefit of the kingdom and make them want to come to it. No, you're walking the wrong way. You're showing them one picture. You can teach uh, an entire picture. You can talk about Esau and connect. Jesus did it, didn't he? Then Jesus go back to Isaiah and, and all these Leviticus and Judges and all these other Old Testament things to illustrate his point about the kingdom of God. Now, if I'm telling you the kingdom of God is the entire message of the Bible, and when you understand the kingdom, see, it's not to, to make you a good person. The reason why it will make you a good person is because, like Jesus said, I'll show you faith by my works. That means that there are things that I'm not going to do, and you're going to see it. I'm going to help that person that needs help. I'm going to reach out to somebody. I'm not going to hold grudges. I'm going to be unforgiven. And people, guess what? When you're, I mean not unforgiven, I'm going to be forgiven. Now watch this. When you forgive somebody, for something that they've done that wronged you, they're going to lose sleep because they don't understand why you did it. How can you forgive me? How can you possibly forgive me? You must be up to something. You must be up to something. For you to be that nice to me after all I did to you, now they're on pins and needles because they don't know what to expect of you. 
They think you're going to come after them. That's why America now keep guns out of so many people's hands. Because America has a fear. It's a fear. That the people that they have wronged are going to be unforgiven and come back for revenge. It happens every time. So what I'm saying to you today, those here and those online, make it a point to learn the kingdom of God. Don't read the Bible as a book of stories. Because then it's going to give you an interpretation that you have the the uh, um, free will to choose what path you want for your life instead of choosing the path that God wants for your life. Choose ye this day who you'll serve. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for everything that you have done in our lives. We thank you, Father, because you have truly shown us, Lord, things that we have never seen before. And it's only by the leading of your spirit that we continue to show these things. Father, I ask that you continue to reveal to us these mysteries of the kingdom of God that we may be part of. And Father, we love you like never before, and we thank you, Lord, for everything that you show us. Father, we bless your name. And we thank you, Lord, Father, as we continue to mortify our natural bodies, we continue to be transformed. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you all. Those fathers, please have a great and wonderful Father's Day. Amen. God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.